after being hacked for $570 million, the Binance Smart Chain did what any self-respecting, fully decentralized, unstoppable, permissionless blockchain would do. They immediately got all of the validators to coordinate their efforts to shut down the blockchain and freeze transactions, which doesn't sound very decentralized or unstoppable. This incident once again highlights the fact that people think they want cryptocurrencies and all of their advantages until they realize that they want cryptocurrencies to function exactly like the existing financial system. That paradox is the subject of today's video. Hey everyone and welcome back. This is the Part-Time Economist and in today's video we are talking all about this paradox where people seem to want the freedom and to get away from these restrictions of traditional finance by using cryptocurrency until the moment that something goes wrong and then they want regulation and all the safeguards of traditional finance. Now, to understand this, I want to use the example of the most recent Binance Smart Chain hack. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm using this as an example of a broader issue in crypto. This isn't pro-Binance Smart Chain. It's not anti-Binance Smart Chain. It's simply a teaching point. So with that being said, we do need to understand a little bit of what happened. Essentially, there was a hack of a cross-chain bridge. Now, if you remember from some of our previous videos, a bridge is an essential piece of the cryptocurrency ecosystem because it allows us to take assets from one blockchain and essentially, through a kind of complicated process, use them on another blockchain, right? The specifics of what goes on are complex and that's what opens them up to hacks, but just know that it basically allows us to use assets from one chain on another chain, and we could do that for a variety of reasons. Maybe one chain has lower fees, maybe there's functionality on one blockchain that doesn't exist on the other chain. But in any case, we also said that bridges in cryptocurrency are just like bridges in real life. They are incredibly important, but any failure of a bridge can be catastrophic. If I'm driving my car and there's a pothole on the road, I might get a flat tire. I might even swerve off into the grass. But if there's a failure of the bridge, the consequences are going to be much worse than the consequences just driving down the road. So bridges, most of the cryptocurrency hacks that we see target bridges in one way or another. That's not saying bridges are bad. It's just saying that they are a point of failure, right? A weak point, if you will. Um, so that's essentially what happened with Binance Smart Chain. There was a hack. The details of the hack, to be honest, don't really matter for our specific video because we're talking more about what happens after the hack. We see here that there's a press release from Binance that says, decentralized chains are not designed to be stopped. But by contacting community validators, one by one, we were able to stop the incident from spreading. It was not that easy as BNB Smart Chain has 26 active validators at present and 44 in total in different time zones. This delayed closure, but we were able to minimize the loss. Wow, the mind is blown here, right? We need to understand what is a cryptocurrency, a blockchain designed to do. It's supposed to be decentralized and unstoppable. What do these terms mean? Decentralized means there's no one single person that can say, 
I don't like you. I'm not processing your transactions. I'm taking your funds, right? Um, unstoppable means that just like we saw with Bitcoin, right? When China said no more Bitcoin mining, new Bitcoin miners came in other parts of the world, right? They started processing those transactions. And this goes against both of those things. Now, he mentions here that Binance Smart Chain has 26 active validators and 44 in total. Okay, that, that's cool. It doesn't matter if there's 44 validators or a thousand validators or one validator. The number of validators doesn't matter. It's how they act. If one person can call up each validator and say, hey, stop processing these transactions, does it matter whether there's 26 or 44? If they're all acting in conjunction, if they're all kind of subject to the discretion of one person or one institution, then what difference does it really make? And then on top of that, we've got to talk about it being unstoppable. Blockchains are supposed to keep going. They're supposed to remain online. So a huge shock for a lot of people there. But I want to move on because there's actually more than that, more issues to discuss. In the next couple days, there's going to be four proposals. So the first one and biggest one, in my opinion, is what do we do with these hacked funds? Do we freeze them or not to freeze them? And this is... This should be something everyone in cryptocurrency is thinking about right now. Because on the surface, we're saying, hey, there was a hack, right? We know hacking is bad. We know stealing from people is bad. I think we're all in agreement there. But the issue is, do we even want blockchains at all? And let me explain. This transaction complied with the rules of the blockchain. And I'm not saying the moral rules, the legal rules. I'm saying the protocol coding level rules of the blockchain. From that standpoint, it was a valid transaction that was processed and was ordered. So if we say we want to undo a valid transaction because it was bad, right? And again, I think we're all in agreement that it was bad. Um, how is that any different than the traditional financial system? We know banks can freeze transactions for fraudulent activity, right? If they suspect money laundering, Banks can already do these things. So why are we even using blockchains if we're going to say, well, whenever there's a bad transaction, we want to stop it. We want to undo it. How is that different than the traditional banking system? Remember, the whole concept of a blockchain is it's decentralized. It's unstoppable. If a transaction is valid, it goes through, right? And again, this isn't a pro-Binance and anti-Binance thing. It's simply saying, do we even want these blockchains? Um, so moving forward to the second one, whether to use BNB AutoBurn to cover the remaining hacked funds or not, that one, not a huge deal for me. Um, a lot of crypto projects have AutoBurns built into them. Um, if we're talking about the traditional financial system, they're going to have insurance policies. So again, that one's not a big deal to me. Um, a white hat program for future bugs found, again, paying for people to find security issues. That makes sense to me. Number four, a bounty for catching hackers. Again, these are things that a lot of companies are going to have. Um, not really a point of contention there for me. The big one is, do we freeze these funds or not, right? Because if you're able to freeze funds, you know, you're not really operating like a blockchain would do. And this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. If we go back to 2016, the DAO hack, right? This is way back in the early days of cryptocurrency. Ethereum's just kind of coming on the scene. We're creating this decentralized autonomous organization. 
it gets hacked. And some people say there was a hack. A hack is bad, right? We all know hacks are bad. What we're going to do is we're going to reverse these transactions. We're going to make the people whole that were affected by this. And again, everyone, if they suffer loss, they want to be compensated for that. Not arguing there. Um, what they essentially said is this bad thing happened. We're going to fix it. And there was a bit of contention there because some people said, you can't just reverse a blockchain transaction. That would be crazy. That's what the traditional financial system does. We are going to say if a transaction happened, even though it was fraudulent, even though people might have lost money, it's more important to honor this concept of a blockchain and what that means than to reverse this transaction. And I don't have the numbers memorized off the top of my head, but I'll throw up a screenshot that essentially shows you the consensus here was overwhelmingly clear. People that said we should roll back the transactions, they continued with Ethereum, just standard Ethereum. You can look at the market cap of Ethereum. The people that said, nope, we must honor the integrity of the blockchain, they became Ethereum Classic. Again, look at the market cap between these two. It's very clear what people decided they wanted. They wanted the ability to roll back transactions, to implement these safeguards. And that's the bigger issue for me here because we saw it with Ethereum Classic. We see it now with the Binance Smart Chain um, and even one of the blockchain-based games I play, Splinterlands, right? They had an issue with one of their pack sales. People said, hey, we've got to go back. We've got to adjust this, right? So at the end of the day, we talk about these blockchains being unstoppable and irreversible, but people don't actually want that. They think they want it, right? Oh, you know, I can send this transaction anywhere and I can't get shut down. But at the end of the day, as soon as something happens, they want those safeguards, right? So it's kind of, I want all of these cool advantages and benefits of crypto, but I don't want the restrictions of traditional finance to apply to me. But if I'm affected, I expect them to apply to everyone else. And CZ does kind of talk about this. He says that decentralization is a spectrum. And I would agree with that, right? Because even as we're seeing here with uh, Binance Smart Chain, we can say, yes, they shouldn't or they should, right? Depending on your view, I'm not trying to influence you. They should or shouldn't have shut down the chain. I think we could still say that even with this being shut down, this is kind of a once- event, right? The traditional financial system does it much more frequently, right? Having 44 validators instead of five validators or one central authority, yes, it is more decentralized. And I think that's what we're really looking at here. I think it's very clear that people do not, the vast majority of people do not want the pure, irreversible blockchains that, you know, Bitcoin might have started to be. Every time there is a major event, we see people overwhelmingly in favor of rolling back transactions, trying to make people whole. And again, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. What I am saying is that this pure, decentralized, unstoppable transactions, I don't think that's what the vast majority of people want. They want safeguards and it's more of a balance, right? Maybe they don't want the traditional financial system. Maybe they feel that's overly burdensome, but they don't want this pure decentralized model either. It's kind of a trade-off in between, right? It's a balance. It's not um, extremes to one way or the other, but that's just my thoughts. Like I said, 
educational video, not by any stretch giving you financial advice. Please don't make any financial decisions based off what I say. Always do your own research, everything like that. But i like to thank you for watching the video. I hope you found it useful, and I'll see you next time.